man. I love y'all, man. Yes, sir. Hey, yes, sir. Keep this man with the underdog. Yes, sir. Look, family on three, man. One, two, three. Family. How sweet it is. The Five Point Play podcast is back. DK is back. You guys miss me? Welcome back, bro. Yeah, we look. Everybody, everybody missed Duke the last couple of years. We are back in the Sweet 16. Yes. We are headed out west, AC, mm-hmm. to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this. We, you know, because everybody's talking about the fact that we've never won 42 years. Duke's never come out of the west. And, yeah, we're going to get to our predictions, AC, but I do want to start out because you are the master of Twitter. You've been all over Twitter <laughs> the last week. But really, I want to give you a shout-out, AC, because of anyone that is on Twitter, you are the biggest proponent, and you have been for years, of Jeremy Roach. Wait a minute. Hold on. Sorry about that, Jack. He's not the biggest proponent. Your boy, Armando Triple B Baycock. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, man. Of Jeremy Roach. How do you feel about that? I look, man, biting my style, dog. Look, Armando, back the fuck up, man. You bite my style. Get out of here, leave me alone, man. Stop biting my style, man. Uh, I, I I didn't even Jack, when you saw Armando tweet about Jeremy That's Roach, what, did you immediately think of AC or how did that <laughs> I just laughed because this was right after Baycott did uh you know his his thing with Sohan and mm-hmm you know, swung his entire lower body into the the uh, freshman. So uh, I don't really take anything Baycott says. Oh, don't, don't, don't let him lure you into some kind of, you know, circular logic there. He, he's he's still a triple B. Everybody knows it. But we're not going to focus on that. We've got a lot to cover here. I'm glad to be back in the saddle with you guys. Welcome back. We got our uh, guard back, man. Just like Duke has their point guard right now. And we want to start with with, with that. We were going to start with some recaps, but I can't do it. I, I got to go right to Jeremy Roach. <laughs> yes, sir. I, 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 I can't do it. We have a set. We have, you know, every time we do a podcast, we have our list of, you know, five topics that we're going to go to on the Five Point Play podcast. We have the recap first, AC, but I got to talk about Jeremy Roach. Yep. Got to do it. Gotta I do mean, it, how much hate? Did you, did you still want Goldwire over, over Jeremy Roach? Let me see, and I nah, nah, I'm not even gonna try to entertain that thought. Hell no, man! Like I look all season, we've been trying to tell people this dude is a winner. Like you don't go to Paul the Six and recruit kids to just come in and sit the bench or not earn their scholarship. Look, Paul the Six kids are winners, man. They come from they when you come from this area up here, you have a you have some a different dog in you, man. And, and Jerry Roach has been doing it all season, and and everyone has been doubting him all season. I'm glad to see people apologizing and retracting statements, and realizing what the fuck we have, because Jeremy Roach is that dude, baby. Let's go! Jack, he he is that dude, and I don't know about you, but I can honestly tell you from where I was sitting, when Jeremy Roach got that pass from Wendell Moore, I just immediately said, hit it. And he takes that shot with confidence, and it was fucking buckets. Let's go. Oh, as soon as I went up, I knew it was down. That's the thing. I got up screaming, let's go. And my friend who I was watching the game was just looking at me like, yeah, that's a terrible shot. And then it goes down. I'm like, it's what? It's what? Look, it's more what? More Jeremy Roach hate. More Jeremy Roach hate. And he just keeps proving them wrong with the Tyus leg kick and everything. Look, Clemson, the two big shots against Clemson, the layup against Gonzaga, the defense against Kentucky, the three against UVA. He's been doing this all season. Y'all act like he hasn't. Yeah, that, that's really the thing, AC, is that he has been doing this all season. And I really love the fact that 
he had been getting so much hate and, you know, we made, we made the jokes about the gold virus situation, but, you know, everybody wants, you know, us to have these more mature guys that have been here and sticking around for three and four years. But then when you have a guy that will stick around for three and four years, you don't let him develop and mm-hmm. run his own racist cases. Here he is. He's running right in front of you. And I love the move that Kate had to start the tournament off by putting Jeremy Roach into the starting lineup. I mean, that was beautiful. It was perfect. And I, no one like no one saw it coming, number one. And now you're doing something where teams have to go back all the way into November to get tape on us. And we're a vastly different team from when we were who we were back then. So I love I love that move wholeheartedly because it, it allows Trevor to come off the bench as a scorer, which you need in the tournament. It allows us to get set with Jeremy on the ball. And that's the biggest change has been Jeremy on the ball exclusively. Not Paulo bringing it up, not Trevor bringing it up, not Wendell bringing it up. It is Jeremy bringing the ball up 98% of the time, and that is beautiful to me. And now we even got him pushing the ball on breaks as if he's John yeah. Wall, and I'm like, let's go, boy. Yeah, you know, he has so, Jack, he has so many different plays that you can point to. Obviously, he hits the three. That's what everybody remembers. But he has so many different drives to the rack, and his finishing ability has just improved exponentially. That's been amazing to watch. And then I want to also add his defensive presence, his hustle plays, those multiple steals to keep drives, uh, keep drives alive, keep possessions alive for Duke. All those things, they might not even show up on the stat sheet, some of those hustle plays, but they kept Duke in it. And he's leading by example, and I think he's exactly what this team needed. Oh, that's definitely true. Jeremy Roach is, he's not Trey Jones. He's not Jay Williams. He's not Nolan Smith. But he's he's his own guy, and he's leading this team as a sophomore. Which I I don't want to I don't want to be that guy. But a couple of years ago, people were saying that our uh, our point guard, who was a sophomore, was the team's leader and needed to always be on the floor. Why is it any different this year? I mean, again, he's not Trey, but yeah. he's certainly leading like Trey. But who I mean, who did we compare him to to start the season? Duhan, right? Like he's exactly. doing he's doing Duhan things right now. Like right putting up Duhan numbers. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I, I see from Jerry Roach is a guy that is comfortable in who he is as a leader for this team. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it everywhere. He's doing it on the ball defensively. The way he, by the way, AC, I, I know we've talked about this all season long in different areas, especially when we're doing game recaps, but that guy gets bumped and fouled more than anybody that doesn't get any calls. Yeah. And he fights through it. That's what I love. It's his mental bulldog mentality that he just continues to fight through all of it. This, the moving screens. Yep. He's jumping over screens at the top to, mm-hmm. to keep, you know, you know, from exposing Mark, you know, hedging out. So all those different things that he does that, you know, again, may not show up on the stat sheet are winning plays. Yep. Winning plays. And it's like you said, it sets the tone for the team. Like everybody else has no choice but to hustle and but to bust their ass to try to get that win. I mean, you saw Paulo, the defense he played at the end of that game, re- re- very reminiscent of the defense he was playing to start the season when everybody was kind of like eye-opening where it was like, oh, man, Paulo's actually a really good defender. Like, he, he, he was making defensive plays down the stretch. Wendell is, you know, doing his job on defense. Trevor's back to doing what he does on defense. Like, that last stretch against Michigan State, our defense was insane, man. Play. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I think that's a good segue, AC, to talk about some of these games that we played this past weekend. Obviously, you know, we took care of business against Kyle State Fullerton, 78-61. Tough, tough if you had Duke 18 and a half. Uh, you know, a little bad beat there, backdoor cover. 
Uh, but then, you know, let's really focus obviously, Jack, on the uh, the Michigan State game. I thought that Duke handled the the adversity as well as you could ever hope to any team, regardless of the experience that you have. You know, you have the lead pretty much the entire the entire second part of the first half through the entire portion of the second half. You get down five. It's, it's got check time, and this team, like Paolo said, you can either fold or you can rise to the moment, and they did, and they made winning plays, whether it was Trevor Keels, you know, hitting that three, which is arguably one of the biggest threes that we've seen in the last few years for Duke. If it is Jeremy hitting his three, if it is Jeremy's drives, if it's Paolo and his blocks, Paolo getting into the rim, if it's Mark hitting free throws, Mark making, uh, you know, blocks down the stretch, or Wendell making free throws and making winning defensive plays. This team just got down and said, we aren't losing this game. It was awesome to see. Oh, I loved it. It was, there were a lot of guys who were just, uh, on Twitter, I saw so many people like, ah, oh, these guys have shown no heart. The team that's mm-hmm. winning this game is the team that's shown heart, and it's not Duke. And then mm-hmm. suddenly these guys locked in after they, they get down five. Boom. A bucket, a three, some free throws, another three. Trevor, by the way, that was Trevor's first three made in like five games. He missed 13 yeah. in a row. Yeah, yeah. It was bad, but oh. But to have the, it at to the have right the... time to have the the cojones to take that shot in that exactly. moment after not making any shots like that shows you his resolve man trevor keels is that dude and while i i do i do prefer to see him drive because you know he's built like bo jackson <laughs> um <laughs> bo knows that shot that shot was the perfect thing to do in the moment and it went down i'm not oh. i'm not mad at it and oh. obviously it worked out very well. And I'm just, I'm proud of these guys like going 20 to six in a five minute stretch after blowing a nine point lead. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And everything was going against Duke at that point, you know, the whistles were going against Duke, the, you know, the turnovers, you know, maybe a bad shot here or there. And then of course, AC as it's tradition, <laughs> you know, just, you know, apparently Steph Curry's five Steph Curry's walk out uh, whenever Duke shows up. Yeah. And at one point, you know, we're, we're all in our text chain. Michigan State was 10 of 15 from three. You yeah. know, I understand that they're a decent shooting team. You know, I think they were roughly around 35% as a team. And your boy, Gabe Brown, who was a, a respectable 37% three-point shooter in the season, is out there shooting 67%. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. is fail-proof. Every, I mean, for the last two months, that's, this, team has, this team has faced that literally for the last two months. And that's why, that's why I like where they are right now. And that's why I like the way they won that game because the past two months where they've been, they've been dogged by the media, they've been dogged by their own fans. They've been dogged by K and they, they were able to fight through that type of an onslaught, you know, for the first time in a while, like obviously we did it against Miami. We did it against Syracuse or whatever, but you know, we lost the tech game. We lost the UNC game. So, you know, there was, there was, there was cause for concern, you know, as people want to say, but I mean, this team was learning the whole time. And you know Kay. Kay is a master motivator. And you know he's not going to just let these guys just fall. He's not going to let the ship go down. And when at, at the after the game, the UNC game, the, the unacceptable comments, and then the, the season's not over comments, you knew. You knew he was formulating. You knew that. You knew he wasn't just going to go down without a fight. I mean, this, we forget this man was in the Army. Like, he knows how to – there is no surrender. There is no surrender. <laughs> no, there's not. And, and Jack, defensively – I, like you guys, saw a lot of comments, you know, talking on defense uh, because 
you have we had another team that is playing out of body from from deep. But you know, Michigan State, even with their eleven of twenty two from three, and that's with going one of seven down the stretch from deep, they only shot forty one percent from the field. I thought our defense, with the exception of a couple missed assignments, not closing out on shooters and not getting out on or, or getting up into the shooters. I thought our defense overall was pretty good. Am I missing something? No, I think so. It, from what I noticed, the uh, the defense has changed a lot. The whole mm-hmm. season, it's been a lot of switch everything. And the toward the end of the season, Mark got exploited on the perimeter with that. What I noticed was that Paulo and Mark were switching on screens and that the uh, the guards were switching on screens, but a guard and a forward or a center would not switch on a screen. Yep. And yeah, that, that's that been the key. The uh, the perimeter guys have stayed on the perimeter. The post guys have stayed in the post, and that's worked incredibly well. It worked against Fullerton, obviously. It worked It worked wonders against Michigan State with one glaring exception, which was Wendell. I remember it was late in the game. It was when Michigan State took the lead. Wendell switched down low, which he was not supposed to do, and Mark did not switch up to the perimeter. So there was a wide-open three that gave Michigan State the lead, I believe. Yep. That was the one time that looked like the team's defense was regressing to what it was at the beginning of the month. But other than that, it's been amazing, and the players have all followed their assignments and their um, decisions, K's decisions for uh, switches and stuff perfectly. And, yeah, I, and it, I think that's why you can kind of point to some of these teams having players go nuts on us from three, too. You know, because we are, we aren't switching anymore. We are allowing them to move freely up top off those screens, off those slips. And so they're getting catches. Like the guys up top are getting catches kind of unencumbered where early in the season, we weren't letting people get easy catches. So I think you're seeing that a little bit more, but the beauty of all of this is we've been able, for the most part, we have been able to survive these big games. Again, there's, there's two. There's UNC and there's Virginia Tech. Everything else. T. Hay Clark went nuts. We shut it down. uh, Michigan State, obviously, they went nuts. We shut it down. Miami went nuts. We shut them down. Syracuse went nuts. We won that game, shut them down at the end. Like, we're we're doing enough to win the games. It's just not the pretty way we want to win games by double digits and everything. Yeah, so I was going to ask that, you know, after Jack kind of summed it up there. AC, do you feel like there are still a few tweaks defensively that we need to make? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know that there's any more tweaks we need to make. I like what we're doing. I like exactly what Jack has described, which is not doing the, the, the forward, the four, the four, three switches, the four, two switches, things like that. I like what we're doing up top, leaving things alone the way they are. The one thing I would love to see if we're going to go with that style, which we started doing at the end of the game is creation of turnovers. Like we are going to be down at some point in games might even be as soon as we play Texas tech. One thing you need to be able to do other than just rebound, other than block shots, you need to be able to create turnovers. And Texas Tech will turn the ball over. They absolutely will. They average 12 a game. So if we can continue to generate turnovers like we did at the end of that Michigan State game, I love it. I love what we're doing on defense. Like, that's the one piece I think I want to see us do a little bit more of. So before moving on, I do want to kind of turn our focus a little bit. And I'm kind of surprised that you guys haven't really wanted me to hone in on Colin Bancaro. I thought the guy... I don't want to say that he is back to where he was when he played Gonzaga the first time, but damn, do I love his game right now. I love the fact that he's not settling for threes. The threes that he does take, he takes them in rhythm. Mm-hmm. I like that. He's not playing around with the ball on the perimeter. He's driving with intent. I love the fact that he, he drives, you know, and he is that dude. He's looking for the contact. He's playing through the contact. You already know that he knows how to distribute when he gets down there and, and draws those double teams and finds Mark for those lobs. I really want to give a huge shout out to him because I think that 
he's you can see it on his face when they they pan to him you know after a big play after a foul call uh you know he's mouthing he's talking out there and that's the kind of aggressiveness the kind of confidence the kind of alpha male that you really want to see out there yeah i mean he spent the latter part of the season season experimenting and i think now in the tournament which we were talking about before we hoped that he would do he is playing to his strengths like the you're talking about the threes um, i love him everybody don't please don't shoot threes follow please don't shoot threes follow i love him shooting catch and shoot threes on the catch and shoot threes this season he's something like 42 percent but when he takes his dribbles and does the iso three he's below 18 percent if i'm not mistaken i think um the the nba analyst guy brought that up a couple weeks ago so it's like he can hit that shot. It's not like it's a shot he can't hit, and he's proven he can hit it. It's, but he's got to be in rhythm to hit it. It can't be, let me dribble, let me dribble, and then I'm just going to take the shot because I've settled. And, and now you see him again. You see him attacking the middle. You see him taking that mid-range shot again. Like He is back to being a three-level scorer, and what are you going to do about that when with 6'10", 250? We've been saying it all season. It's cliche now. Like What are you going to do with that? Like You can't. There's nothing. And not, not even Texas Tech. There's nothing they can do about that if that's what he's going to decide to do. So good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Uh, speaking of good, speaking of good luck, last uh, Thursday, March seventeenth, was St. Patrick's Day, but Jack it was really St. Peter's Day as they <laughs> knocked off Kentucky. It was great. To, it was great to watch. They run such a beautiful offense. I have to say. Also, shout out to Shaheen Holloway. Mm-hmm. He played for Tommy Amaker in college, so a mm-hmm. uh, little, little bit of a Duke connection right there. Uh, shout out to him. That that offense is amazing. Nadefo and Edder really impressed me a lot. That's your boy, right? Give, come on, bring give in the stash bag, man. Give him the bring in the stash bag. That man looks like he's straight out of 1983. My God, but oh, he's a shooter. Let me tell you, and just the fact they're using him on some backdoor cuts, and the the DHO action that they have mm-hmm. is beautiful. A little bit of a twist every once in a while. They've been using that to open games a lot this year in general. Mm-hmm. I think JJ Reddick tweeted that the offensive sets they use are some of the most beautiful basketball he's ever seen. That's why they've gotten to the second weekend. Like, are they, they're not even probably, they're the worst team left in the field. They're going to have to play Purdue. That's doesn't look great for them. That being said, the offense they run leads to a lot of open shots at the hoop and beyond the arc. So it's mm-hmm. a legitimate possibility. They get to the elite eight. Call me crazy. I mean, and what's Zach Eady going to do? Like, he's not he he's not going to defend them on the perimeter. I, I'd play Williams more than Eady if I'm yeah, absolutely uh, if I'm Painter, but but he won't. That's the thing. He won't. I know. Won't. Oh, I know. But just generally, wow. I I I do think that offensively, Eady is going to have a lot to, uh, or he's he's going to be a lot for an Adefo. But no, he's going to do what he always does every game: twenty exactly. points, ten rebounds, or whatever. But they have to slow their entire game down to get him to that point, and they're they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be pushing up on Jaden Ivey, so he's not gonna get the easy shots he got last round. So it, it is not you know far be it to say it is not out of the realm of possibility for them to beat Purdue. It's not impossible. Yeah, Edie's gonna struggle with 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 all the backdoor cuts, the down mm-hmm. screens, the uh, the handoffs on the perimeter that's that's the majority of their uh, offensive action and it's gonna it's gonna give Edie a lot of trouble because he cannot move like that plus they're their home team they are they're, they're gonna the entire arena they're playing 50 minutes from their campus mm-hmm. you know the, the entire arena is gonna be gonna be rooting for them um and that's not easy when you're if you're Purdue that's not gonna be an easy thing to deal with 
I think they'd be the entire arena be rooting for them regardless of where they're playing. For sure, no <laughs> doubt about that. But I, I I do think that you know they they don't have to go very far. Hop on the Amtrak, you're there. <laughs> I having taken that exact train many times, I can assure you they they will be there. One hundred percent. All right. So let's talk about a couple other games. I want to focus on uh, UMC, who apparently is just the hottest team in the country again. RJ mm-hmm. Davis having the game of his life. Uh, Pinal and Love uh, against Marquette. Looked like he was Steph Curry out there. At least it wasn't against us. Uh, you know, they're playing UCLA. Do we feel like UCLA can finally put them away? You know, I, I do want to say real quick before before AC answer that, because I do want to give a shout out to the ACC after everybody thought this all, you know, maybe, just maybe the ACC wasn't as bad as all the pundits talked about. Maybe we are actually pretty good conference. We're eight and two. Having said that, we got our money now. Let's go ahead and knock Carolina out. Yeah, yeah, please. Like, no more of this. No more of this. I don't. I don't want Carolina around anymore. I don't even want the possibility of of a of a Final Four national championship matchup wherever they wherever they're slotted in the bracket. Yeah, Final Four. Yeah, maybe Final Four. And I, I saw I saw a Reddit thread where people were saying, "Please, Duke UNC Final Four. And no. every single comment no. was a Duke or UNC fan saying, "No." No, because no, I'm I, not gonna lie, it'd be great to win that game, but the winner of that game wins the rivalry. Yeah, the rivalry. Right, exactly. That's really the whole thing. I mean, I don't want that. I, I think it's just too much. I think it's it's, it's actually too much. Mm-hmm. But also, I I want to say, oh, sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I I want to say the thing that I think is really important to to point out is the key to that that blowout Carolina had going for the first three quarters of the game against Baylor was Manic. Mm-hmm. If you can shut Manic down, I think I feel like it's been like that for the last like month and a half. It has months. been. It very yeah. clearly has been, but people now, aren't noticing. To, does he have to miss a half? Uh, no, he didn't get. It's just an ejection because it was just a flagrant two ejection. Okay. Yeah. The NCAA could have suspended him, but I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually. It was a weak flagrant two call to begin. Yeah. With. I'm, I'm I, thought it was weak. I thought it was weak. Yeah. I thought. I thought. You know, Jack, you talked about it earlier. Like, I think they they could have called a similar flagrant on Triple B. They called yeah. him a dead ball technical. They called, but they could have. Like, they could have ejected him. They could have ejected him. Yes, I agree with um, that. That being said, though, Manic's the key, and I think if UCLA can shut him yeah. down, they would. And they do have the the parts to do it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, guys, I think Hawkes is going to have to have a big game. Yeah. They have size. They have, I mean, UNC, UNC runs that they run a really nice horn set. And that's how they get Manic open on a lot of his shots, the little double screen action out of the horns. And he, he gets those jumpers and it's not like he can't hit it. Obviously he can hit it. Like he's done in his whole career at Oklahoma. So between him and Baycott, man, they're tough to handle right now. And RJ Davis is playing out of his mind, dude. So, and, and UCLA doesn't, they don't have a lot on the perimeter defensively. I, I really think UNC is going to the elite eight, man. I really, I really do. Well, then you got it. You got it. Unfortunately, that means we have to start rooting for Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's no way. Well, and as nice of a story, Jack, as it would be for St. Peter's when we can't afford that. As yeah. I have Purdue in my final four. So okay. All right. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> we talked about it last week. I had Purdue yeah. in my final four. I had Carolina beating Baylor. Um, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Um, so I do want to ask then, we'll kind of move it around a little bit here. Cause uh, the the Wildcats, we got Arizona and Villanova. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams, you know, I thought Villanova looked pretty good overall. They had a mm-hmm. little bit more of a problem with Ohio State than I thought that they would, but eventually they, they were they were never really in doubt of ever losing that game. No. Uh, and then Arizona could have they could have lost, uh, but yeah, I thought 
those two teams, uh, just being both the Wildcats, I'd like to talk about those two teams uh, a little bit. I have going over my final four. I think they're a pretty sexy pick. That's not a bad pick, man, especially the way they're playing. I've I moved Arizona forward. I have them in the national title game, actually, against Duke. So that's, you know, that's something. But, I mean, they, they were definitely the beneficiary of that that non-whistle at the end of that game. But this, I thought that was a flop. It, can it be both? It can be both, Didn't right? yeah, the Duke get hit in the head, head twice? Was that? Didn't the dude get hit in the head twice? No, that was uh, that was Atkinson for Notre Dame. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that was. Texas oh, State I'm looking at the wrong I'm, I'm talking, Yeah, 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 yeah you know, TCU. Uh, he was uh, yeah, yeah. That I thought line. I saw a TCU guy got hit in the head twice on a I'm play. No whistles for the officiating. The officiating, by the way, in this tournament, it's been abhorrent. It's horrible, but it's been horrible all year. So, are we really surprised that it's this bad in the tournament? It's been especially bad. Yeah. I mean, you already have two two yeah. full crews that aren't allowed to to officiate anymore. So, hey, two of the three refs from Carolina Baylor are in the second weekend. So, yes, they are. Okay. Um, are yes, they? Are. are they? Are they in the west? Neither one is. One's in the east, and one's in the south. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, go, go ahead, easy. <laughs> no, but yeah, no. I mean, I just I like the way Arizona plays. Still, I mean, they they aren't they aren't particularly skilled in any area except for a couple of players. Coloco's playing really well right now. Maturin is he's a beast. He's a monster. He's a lottery top, lottery pick. Excuse me. He's a top top ten pick in in the draft that's coming here. So they they have pieces. They have parts to make it work, man. I, I do. I, th- I think they're going to keep going. Yeah, it's definitely possible. We haven't talked about um, you know Gonzaga yet. Uh, that was an entertaining game against Memphis. Uh, Drew Timmy. The more I watch him, and you know, hopefully, you know, we're going to be finding out. Um, Saturday night, but he reminds me so much of fucking Tyler Hansbrough. I, I was going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just can't stand it, Jack. It's so mm-hmm. annoying. And let me let me tell you, how how is it that there was not a single foul called against Gonzaga in the first it's eleven minutes? Eleven yeah. minutes of that second and half. And it's not like you know Memphis is just sitting out there chucking threes. No, no that's a team Dude, that gets Chet to the made like eight fouls. Yeah, yeah, that's Memphis is a team that gets to the interior. That's that's wild. Yeah, I mean, Duran getting four was definitely contrib- like definitely contributed to that. But wow, mm-hmm. that was just one sided as can be. I really, really hope that it's not like that when they play Arkansas. The the thing you see with Gonzaga, Timmy and Holmgren, they they cannot operate together. Like they they both can't do. They can't be great together. It's one or the other, and that's what I like because if we face them again, our team is one we've seen it already that we can shut one of the two down whether it's Chet or whether it's Timmy, we can shut one of the two down defensively. They can't operate together. And now their perimeter, like Nimhart has been pretty much non-existent offensively for the past month or so. I mean, uh, Rasheer Bolton has been carrying them on the offensive side from the perimeter and Strother, who's a dude I really like, he, you know, he's kind of hit or miss. So they're vulnerable and Arkansas is playing very high right now. And they play ISO style ball. Gonzaga is not like, a, it's not like they're a great defensive team. You got chat blocking a couple shots for, you know, two or three, four shots a game or whatever, but those shots aren't, it's not like Mark Williams's defense where he's changing what teams do. Like they're still driving at chat. He just happens to get the blocks because he's tall. Like he's not changing the game with what he does. So I, 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 I picked Arkansas. I like what they're doing right now. And I like the way they're playing. I would love nothing more than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be pretty uh, pretty awesome to see, you know, Arkansas take that, you know, next step and, and knock them out. Um, that would be a lot of fun to watch. I, I think that overall for, for this tournament, though, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, obviously, 
you know, Kentucky Yondell was, was just fantastic. Oh, that was, that was just a fantastic way to start the tournament. Love it. Really was. Love uh, it. fantastic. All right, let's talk about Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame had their opportunities to knock out Texas Tech AC. You know, I know that you've been going back and forth on Twitter, so I want you to kind of break down Texas Tech. I want you to talk about their number one defense and, you know, exactly kind of what they do being a better version of Virginia. Uh, the weak side, just kind of give us an overall, you know, 60 second or so breakdown mm-hmm. of what Texas Tech is. Yeah, no, I mean, defensively, they like there is no denying it. They are a great defensive team. The best in the nation, you can probably give it to them, if not one of the best or whatever. And what it, what it hinges on is how they double the post and how they sink back in the lane. They force you to one side of the lane or the or for one side of the court or the other, They're, which leaves their weak side open. We'll get to that in a little bit. But one side of the court or the other, they really they really shut the middle down. They allow you to make the pass to the middle, but they have they have a couple of keys. If you turn your back to the perimeter, they are going to double you. If you turn your back to the post, they're going to bring a post double. Like they they have keys as to when they're going to double and when they hold off. So it's really, I trust Kay, Kay's preparation so much. And I know he's going to see stuff like that because as a coach, that's what you're thinking about. What, what is the key? What is the, what is the key movement the other team makes for you to do what you need to do on defense? And that's one of the things they do. They wait until you turn your back and they bring those doubles. So this is a big game for Paulo and Mark especially right there at that free throw line extended, because if we can, just like a zone, if we can get that ball to the middle to follow, the way he passes the ball is exceptional, and they cannot, they cannot bring those actions, especially if our guys are open hitting shots. And right now there's a threat for our guys to hit shots. So Texas Tech is going to have to be smart about what they do. They switch from that matchup zone to the kind of traditional man-to-man. If we can get them to switch out of that matchup zone and go into that man-to-man, like it's, it's money for us, man. Yeah, Jack, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about the size of, of their backcourt and, and obviously Jeremy being a little bit undersized. Do you see that being uh, a negative for Duke or do you see Jeremy's quickness being able to kind of overmatch that? And Jeremy has a really quick first step and I think that's going to be very helpful. I also do think that it's going to be a lot of Paulo operating in the middle of the uh, defense. So I'm not necessarily worried. I think I think there's going to be, like AC said, a lot of open shots, and I expect a lot of baseline driving. If Duke does drive to the hoop much, it's it's going to be from there. I'm not super worried, like I said, about Jeremy and size mismatch because again, he's got he's got the speed advantage against basically anyone he's going to face. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, he gets he gives the ball off to Keels or or Wendell, and those guys both have the size advantage and can get to the hoop really easily. Mm-hmm. So I'm so not I'm not worried. We focused on Texas Tech's vaunted defense and how Duke will attack it. Let's flip that around, AC. Duke defensively and which two or three or four of the entire team of <laughs> Texas Tech will light it up? O'Banner and Shannon. Those two are the names you want to look out for for who can possibly hit the big threes that are going to make this game super close, if not put, you know, Texas Tech in the lead briefly or whatever you know what i mean like o'banner we already saw him as a spoiler la- uh, last year with oral roberts he made the transfer over to texas tech shannon has been crushing he's been shooting 57 percent from three like the last month and a half so the the guy you know he's, he's clearly capable so is this a game where law of averages comes into play i really hope so because i think you know duke's duke is also not small on the perimeter we also have been all season one of the best three-point percentage defenses in the country we ran into a couple buzzsaws the last month, which has changed that number slightly, but it still hasn't made the number 
to where I'm worried. So yeah, we, we can't let somebody just make easy catches and shoot the way they do. They don't get a lot of assists. They don't really have a post offense. They, their post offense is generated from pick and rolls, you know, very, very easy and very simple, simplified pick and rolls. So it's not like they're doing anything special there and their drivers aren't particularly the most ball skilled people. Again, they've been turning the ball over the past month as well. So if, if we are going to be turning teams over like we did at the end of Michigan State, I really like us shutting their, their offense down this game. And, and let's not forget, they barely scored against Notre Dame, one of the worst defensive teams in the ACC. So you just want to talk about how bad the ACC is. There you go. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. And, and Jack, I think in terms of our defense, you know, do you see us switching it up here and there, whether it's you know, going with a little bit of a one-two-two or two-two-one, uh, maybe a little bit of a matchup zone out there, trying to get out to to their shooters, knowing that we do have that that advantage down down low. I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's super duper likely, just on the simple fact that it's K and K hates to run any type of zone unless he absolutely has to. Hmm. Um, let's be real, but mm-hmm. I, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing. Again, yeah, denying their shooters because their shooters have been hot, and like AC said. They suck with the ball. They cough it up a lot. So anything to force turnovers, and I think a matchup zone certainly could help with that. Force force a drive, force them to go up against Mark or Theo, and maybe guy can get a hand in there and force a little bit of loose ball action. And you see, in terms of this matchup, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit going back to to our recent runs, but really it kind of reminds me of when we played Baylor. Yep. Uh, you know way back when in, in 2010 and, and you had those kickout threes off of the Lance Thomas or the Brian Zubak offensive rebounds, you know, kicking it out to Nolan Smith, you know, the famous Nolan Smith, you know, nailing that clutch three and can't give him a high five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this type of game, Mark Powell can get down there, get those offensive rebounds, kicking out to open shooters. One of them I'm hopefully sorry, is AJ, but will be, you, you know, will be, uh, uh, will it be Keel? Will it be Roach? Will it be Rondell? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's that's it, it could be all three. That's the thing. That's the beauty of what we do. It could be all three. We're going to keep three on the perimeter like that. So, and those offensive rebounds are absolutely offensive rebound kickouts. That's a K patent. That is something that he has, he has created in the college game. And we've been doing it for decades. So, that is going to absolutely be something that is needed for this game. And I absolutely think you're going to see it. And you're right. Like, Baylor is a, I feel like it's a really good comparison because it's a very similar defense to what they were playing back then, especially. And Mark Adams is a Texas guy. Like, all these teams, they share from each other, they talk to each other. And Texas Tech, absolutely, when Chris Beard went there, they, they patterned their defense a little bit after what, what Drew was doing over there in Baylor. And, this is very similar to how to how Baylor plays that defense. So we we do have some some precedent here with with our coach knowing how to play against a defense like this. Yeah, and speaking of the coaching matchup, uh, Jack, we obviously have the advantage here with Kay. Uh, where do you see the toughness coming from, though? You know, because I felt like the toughness in the last three minutes of that game against Michigan State really shone through, and it comes from Kay. Do you see that coming again? Um, in this game, I have a feeling that the the guys are locked in now and have been since that minute, since that moment. Something clicked right there at the under four yep. timeout, and I don't think that's going away. I also yeah. i want to I want to point out you guys comparing this matchup to the 2010 Baylor game. I have a feeling that there's going to be a, a shooter who reclassified to come to Duke early 
who's uh, going to maybe have a game. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I just had to get that out there. <laughs> it happened against Baylor. It happened again. Yeah, but back to the point, back to the main point. I think these guys have been locked in, and I think that's not going to change. They're ready. They know. it's. There was a very lovely article on ESPN about the what they call the road crew. The guys, um, it was the current starting five, uh, mm-hmm. except swap out. Or I guess it was the original starting five because AJ wasn't involved. They would take road trips to watch Peach Jam over the summer and watch yep. their old teams play each other. And those guys, when they're on the court together, they just lock in. And I have a very strong feeling that that road crew is going to be uh, taking us a little further than Sweet 16. A little, right. fur- a little further than the uh, the pundits and uh, pretty much everyone at this point is getting Texas Tech. I mean, yes, it's sir. insane. I love it. I love it. I mean, Pretty we opened up with IBGAF. <laughs> IBGAF. Please continue to pick Tech. Please. Keep yes, talking. Texas Tech is the greatest team ever. They're definitely going to be Duke. Duke sucks. Please continue that. Please. All right, so let's get to our predictions here. Well, I want to start with uh, the first game, which is Arkansas against Gonzaga before us. That should be around 7, 10 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS. Nine and a half point favorites for Gonzaga. Jack, what do you got here, Gonzaga versus Arkansas? So my hope is that Arkansas pulls it out like 80 to 78 or something like that. Let's be real. It's Gonzaga. I, I don't have much confidence in that so i i'm gonna say gonzaga probably wins at like 85 to 81 yeah, i hope I that's they, not the case but that's my that's my guess yeah i actually think that they cover here and I'm, i think it's going to be 83 to 71 uh i think that they had two tough games you know let's not forget that they had basically two weeks off so i think there might have been a little rust uh, to start their tournament so i do think they come out they're playing on the west coast they know they're the number one seed they know what happened to them last year I think that they're going to come out. I think they're going to play hard. Yeah, 83-71 for me, uh, for Gonzaga, AC. I mean, for, for the sake of my bracket, I have Arkansas, but the way the teams are playing right now, the way Drew Timmy is playing right now, I mean, I, I don't know that Arkansas has anybody who can stop him. I don't know that Gonzaga has a lot of guys who can stop what Arkansas does in the ISO, but, I, I mean, that team ball versus ISO ball typically wins out. It's probably going to be Gonzaga. My bracket is probably going to be, you know, one more round down. So I'll, I'll go Gonzaga and I'll go 80 to 69. But I think I think Arkansas is going to give them a nice run in that first half. Texas Tech is favored by one point over Duke. This game will tip off probably around 9.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS. Uh, it's going to be a long day tomorrow. It's going to be a long day tomorrow waiting for this game to, to tip off. We've already talked about Texas Tech, we've already talked about, you know, what to look for on both sides of the ball for both squads. Jack, what do you have for us here? Duke wins 72 to 67. Yes, sir. Wow. AC, what do you got? The number's at 136 and a half right now for the total. I think we hit somewhere right around it. It's going to be a low scoring game in particular for us, for how we usually like to play. Give me Duke 73. Give me Texas Tech 69. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit low scoring. Uh, both of these teams are tough, though. These teams play very tough, and I think people that kind of overlook Duke and the toughness that we have, mm-hmm. uh, they're sorely mistaken. I do think that we win this game. I did not have, I'll be honest with you, I did not have Duke 
uh, making it this far. So I, I'm a big <laughs> fan. you have us losing to, bro? I, I had us losing to, like, the Davidson. So, no, 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 <laughs> I, did, I did. I gotta be honest with everybody, but I got a feeling that that kind of negativity uh, kind of helps our team, and that's why I need to stick with it. But I can't yeah. do it. I can't do it here. I have to pick through 66 to 64. I find I just find a way for us to win this game. I don't care how we do it, but I find us to win this game. So that brings us to ideally a rematch between Duke and Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. Jack, what do you got here? I wouldn't call it ideal. I would not call that ideal. The (laughs) ideal matchup is Arkansas. (laughs) That game's going to be on March 26th. The last time Duke played Arkansas was March 26th. 28 years prior was Grant Mm -hmm. Hill's last game. And that's revenge. That being said, I think we beat Gonzaga again. It's going to be very similar score to the first game. Not necessarily similar similar game, but a similar score. Uh, give me 80, Duke 86, Gonzaga 80. Yeah, I got 84-81, Duke, if we do have that matchup. I just think we match up really, really well with Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for once, the game pressure is going to be on them to, to advance, and it's not on us. And yep. everybody and their mother is going to pick uh, Gonzaga to win that game. Uh, everybody and their mother has Gonzaga winning the tournament. So mm-hmm. all the pressure is going to be on them. Duke's never come out of the West, D.C. What do you got? Gonzaga's going to be favored in that game. Gonzaga's going to beat Arkansas. So, and we're going to have a close game. So people are going to be like, oh, well, Duke struggled with Texas Tech. There's no way they can beat Gonzaga again. Like you said, we matched up very well against Gonzaga. And we are vastly different from when we played them before, especially adding A.J. Griffin back to the fold, where he, wasn't, he was non-existent against Gonzaga the first time. Well, whereas Gonzaga actually, in my opinion, is a little bit worse than they were when we played them earlier in the season. Give me Duke 90. Give me Gonzaga 80. I'm thinking it's going to be a double double for us. Oh, one one final AC bomb. Yes, sir. Let's go, Duke. You got to do it, baby. I-D-G-A-F, baby. Go, Duke. Thanks on six. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!